0: And uh, one of my favorite scripture verses uh, is as often as you come together, let each of you have a hymn, song, right? A word, edification, and a teaching. So, you know, many of us, we still want to put ourselves back to that Old Testament caste system. You got the priests, the pastors, all those people are doing all this stuff. What's so beautiful about the coming of the Holy Ghost? Got rid of all that. There's one high priest, Jesus. The rest of us are priests. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And as often as you come together, what a challenge. As often as you come together, it's like all the time, man. Especially if you have a, a spouse that's saved. As often as you come together, have a song to sing, edify each other, have a teaching. It's like, what? Ah. So, um, Kevin, it's been a little bit since he's uh, taught. Uh, um, but he has a, a good word, uh, and I think a really cool way to uh, to convey that word. Uh, so I just want to let me just clap it up, and give Kevin some uh, support. Amen. So before I just hand over the mic, I mean, you know, just to honor him, I and mean, he's 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 a guy that does a lot of work here. All the heavy maintenance stuff, like big time stuff. Like there's floods, and there's like beams exposed, and Air conditioners don't work. He's our guy. Um, so, you know, we just want to bless him. Thank him for all that he does at the church. So much for so long. He's been here probably long as long, not as long, but he might might be, what, fourth or fifth on the list? There's such a list, right? Um, so we thank you, man, for everything you do. Yeah. I'm
1: going to talk for a few minutes while I move everything into place. Yesterday, I went up to Aldi I had to get a couple of the things I'm going to use today uh, while I was standing in line. Yesterday, it turned started out as a good day. We were having fun. I was pretty much happy the, the entire afternoon. So I'm in a checkout line with Aldi, and I've got this smile on my face for no reason that everybody else just like, you know how to usually book. <laughs> anyway, this Vietnam vet guy comes through the door. You can tell what he is. He's got the hat on, the shirt, and everything else down to his belt, walking with a cane. He was about this tall, too. So I'm in the checkout line, and he comes, he walks in the door. It's like he locks on me, and he's coming after me like this. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm wondering what's going on here. And uh, he comes over, puts an arm on my shoulder, pulls me down to him, and goes, I just have to tell you, It's wonderful to see a man smiling because he's happy and he's enjoying his life and living. I'm thinking, all right, so where did this come from? (laughs) Anyway, to get started now, 2007 was the last time I was up here. So aside from a handful of people that were here from the original group, most of you have never heard me before. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I've got no formal theological training, but I can talk, and that's enough. What I'm going to be talking to you about right today started back in 2015 when I was studying Proverbs. I read something, and it just hit me. We miss things in Scripture that are hidden in plain sight. We miss what Scripture is saying to us because we don't understand what we're looking at. So, Sharon, put up for a slide. I'm going to be talking today about really one verse out of Proverbs, but I'm going to read into everything. I have a different way of teaching and how I do things, so don't try and wrap your heads around what I'm doing and figure out where I'm going with any of this. Just listen and follow along. I've already done all the work for you. And in about the last two or three minutes, this will make sense. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 1, the first seven verses. what happens. It didn't come up on my print. <laughs> the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand the proverb and the interpretation words of the wise and their dark sayings and verse 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the second part of that couplet but fools despise wisdom and instruction as I said we miss things because we don't understand what we're reading English language in particular we tend to muddle the language and we start interchanging words and we generally accept that this means the same thing as that and well do you understand what I'm saying But there's a specific reason, and it's very important, why Scripture uses certain words. The very last word of this one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and not wisdom, is how it is written in Hebrew, using the word knowledge for a very specific reason. And I'm going to get started now, why it's important to know the difference of why we're saying knowledge and not wisdom. Some of the things I picked up yesterday when I was shopping at Aldi, You'll probably be able to see them from here. You're going to recognize them. You're not going to know what I'm doing, but that's okay. We have got a pineapple and some grapes, red grapes, because I particularly like them. Some bananas, strawberries, who likes them? We're going so far. I won't take these other bags, they'll roll away. The red apples, I wanted golden delicious, but they didn't have them. And oranges. I think everybody in here recognizes what I just put up here. Yep, we've got a pile of fruits. Now, here's why it's important to know the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge will tell you tomato is a fruit. Wisdom says, don't put tomatoes in fruit salad. (laughs) Now, the word knowledge. There's two levels of knowledge about God, or two different ways that you can be acquainted with God. You can see his works, what he does, or you can see his ways you can have insights into God's character and who He is. let um, take a moment, grab a Bible, open up Exodus 33. You can read along with me with this one. I'll give you a moment. Exodus 33, uh, verses 12 to 14. Sharon, the slides aren't going to be changing until the very end. So you're okay back there. Most people find this one, Exodus 33. I'm going to read. Exodus 33, 12-14. The difference between knowing the ways of God and seeing His works. Exodus thirty-three, twelve. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you if I have found favor in your sight let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight consider too that this nation is your people and God answers Moses in 14 and says my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest Moses didn't ask to see God's works he had already seen many of his works Back in Egypt, uh, when God spoke to him out of the bush, uh, the plagues, when he had confronted Pharaoh, the transition of the staff. Moses had already seen many of God's works. With this prayer, Moses had a very difficult task appointed to him, and he wanted to know God's ways, and God answered this request for him. In Psalms 103:7, he, he made known his ways to Moses and to Israel. He made known his acts to the sons of Israel. It's not stated anywhere in Scripture that Israel ever knew God's ways, only his works, and that's the difference between knowing his ways and his works. This difference is having a rest, or having a relapse, or repeating things. Um, specifically, now in Hebrews 3:7, God's commenting on this very topic actually verse Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 to 11 but I'm going to break it up in two parts where God's commenting on this and says therefore as the Holy Spirit says today if I hear your voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion in the time of testing in the wilderness for 40 years the children of Israel wandered in the desert daily they saw the works of God the cloud in the day the pillar of fire by night the manna the the serpents raising up the image on the staff, being healed, water coming from the rocks. Daily Israel saw the works of God, but this didn't bring them any closer. I'm going to read all the verses again. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion in the time of testing in the wilderness. At nine, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and for 40 years saw my works. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts always go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I swore an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Israel saw God's works, they never understood his ways. Now, Moses says, Lord, I want to know your ways. God says, Moses, I'm going to give you rest. Israel knew God's works, but they never found the rest. So you see You can know God's works and never know his ways. Those who know his ways find their living in a state of peace. Their lives, more or less, are in a state of rest. But why don't most people know this? Why don't most people have this blessing? It's a digression, a regression of things. There's no blessing to the people because there's no obedience. There's no obedience because there's no trust. There's no trust because there's no love. There's no love because there's no knowledge. Not wisdom, knowledge. You can't trust someone you don't know. And you can't know someone if all you see is their works and you never know their ways. You never understand the character of this person. So you have to know a person in order to know their ways. You have to know their ways in order to love them. You have to love them in order to trust them. You have to trust them in order to obey them. And the reason that Israel never found rest is because all they saw were the works and the miracles of God. Again, the plagues, the Red Sea, pillar of fire, manna, quail, snakes. But they never understood the ways of God. And they never found the rest. The difference between knowing the ways of God and knowing the works of God is knowing the difference between rest and relapse, or between rest and repeat. Moreover, the difference between knowing the ways of God and the works of God is the difference between having an intimacy with God and having an infatuation with God. It's easy to be infatuated with God. If right now, right up here, if I were to do a miracle here right now, something genuine that could be verified, which I, I decided I'm not gonna do. But if I did a miracle here right now, word of it would spread all around this community. Everyone would hear about what God had done. And come next service, we wouldn't be able to fit the people in this building because they'd all wanna come and see the miracles of God. They would be infatuated with these miracles and wonders and signs. So it's easy to get infatuated with God. People can get infatuated with the church when there is a blessing on the church or a strong movement in the church. People can get infatuated with a pastor, an evangelist, a speaker for his charismatic style. But just let the church or let the pastor have a problem and they leave because there's no genuine faith there. They don't know the ways of God. They were coming for signs and wonders and miracles. Most of you have probably seen a guy or you probably know a guy who became infatuated with a girl. He falls in love with a dimple or her nose or something and he makes the mistake of marrying the whole girl. (laughs) She was gorgeous when he married her and now she's fat and 40. 40. And he's bald and boring. And they're starting to get tired of each other. And they don't really know each other intimately. There was an infatuation. There was no genuine love there. Moses knew the ways of God, and he had an intimate relationship with God. In Exodus thirty-three eleven, Thus the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. You'll speak to your friends, your close friends, you'll speak to your family, you'll speak to your wife very differently than you'll speak to somebody on the street or somebody you encounter in work because you have an intimacy, a relationship with this person rather than just a knowledge of their ways and what they do. You know the character of this person. This is the difference between knowing the ways of God and not nearly knowing the works of God. Now, in many churches and in the world, you can find a lot of people who are only looking for these signs and miracles, and they'll follow whatever sideshow is currently popular. Jesus did miracles, and he didn't advertise them. Now, these people, you can find them on TV, they advertise miracles, and they don't do them. But you'll still have the groupies, the followers, who go after these people in these churches and these movements looking for miracles. They all want to come see the works of God, so they come thinking they're going to be convinced. But Scripture deals with this also. Um, I'll read to you John chapter 2, 22-25. While he was yet in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus did not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need any testimony about man for he knew what was in a man Jesus knew that people could be infatuated with miracles but they didn't know him intimately later Jesus feeds 5,000 people people loved that and they flocked under him but when he started to talk to them intimately about his character when he started telling them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood they left That is not what they wanted. They wanted the signs and wonders they wanted to show. They did not want this intimacy. Israel was infatuated at the Exodus. God opened up a six-lane highway through the Red Sea. And they went through leaping and shouting and praising God. And a short time later, they're moaning and complaining, and they want to return to Egypt. They want to go back to where they were. Israel was infatuated with God's works, with his miracles and his signs, and they knew nothing of his ways. A good present-day example we could see of this, people who fight and get divorced for trivial reasons are often the same people who got married for trivial reasons. Infatuation is not a genuine love. <clears throat> now, back again now on the difference between arrest and a relapse or a repeating, You'll have a relapse when trouble comes and you don't know the ways of God. The difference between intimacy and infatuation, you'll abandon God when trouble comes if you don't know his ways. Now moving further, it's the difference between being a teacher and a testifier, this difference between knowing the works and the ways of God. Someone who knows the works of God is a testifier. Someone who knows the ways of God is a teacher. Israel could testify of the things that God had done in the desert with the signs of how he sustained them when they were ready to invade other cities and lands the people could testify of what their God had done for them because they knew his works Moses could teach the character of God in a way that Israel could not now it's easy to stand up and give a testimony on something that God did but if that's all that happens you're not going to be much of a teacher There are a lot of people who could come up here and tell everyone how Jesus saved them 15 or 20 years ago. Now, that's fine. But if that's all the further you've gone, you're not going to be much of a teacher. You can't tell someone else how to have intimacy with God or explain who God is or help them understand how God works in the world if you don't know anything about his character, his personality, if all you know is his works, Now, most people are probably good testifiers but very few are good teachers. Moving further with this, the difference between knowing the ways of God and the works of God is the difference between having a peace and experiencing panic. Think back Exodus again at the Red Sea. Moses was the only one who didn't panic. Everyone else panicked because all they could see was what was happening around them, and they didn't know or see the ways of God. If all you see are the works of God, then when the works of God don't work out the way you want them to or the way you expected them to, you're going to push the panic button. Just about the time that you think you have God figured out, he changes things. You want some examples? James was put in prison and beheaded. Peter was put in prison and an angel released him. Was Peter more favored by God than James? Or was James a bad boy and God condemned him for what he did? No. He just changed how he did things. Peter preached on Pentecost, and 3,000 are saved. Stephen preached in the streets and got stoned. Was one better than the other? Was one more highly favored? No. It's how God works. Don't try to predict him. Probably just about everyone here, you've encountered that stupid sign in work. It says, anyone who remains calm in the midst of all this confusion simply doesn't understand the situation I can't get away from that thing. Everywhere I go, somehow it pops up. Anyway, maybe you don't understand a situation, or maybe it's you remain calm because you're the one that can see the ways of God. If you get your theology from the works of God, you're going to be panicked most of the time. You need to know the ways of God, not just His works. We need to know God in such a way that we can confidently say, Yea, though you slay me, yet will I trust you because I know your ways. Moving further on this, the difference between knowing the ways of God and the works of God is the difference between being an intercessor and being someone who's indifferent. We are still going through this Heroes of the Faith series, which comes at a perfect time for this now, because I'm going to go back on all that information. It saved me a lot of work. <laughs> Moses could intercede for Israel on Sinai, when they made the golden calf because Moses understood the character and the ways of God Abraham could intercede for Lot and for Sodom because he knew the ways of God when God said I will destroy Sodom Abraham could protest and say Lord this is not your way will you destroy the righteous along with the wicked Jesus interceded for men while he was on the cross he prayed father forgive them They have no idea what they're doing. Now, there's a lot of foolish, useless praying going on in churches and other places with people asking God to do things that he simply will not do because they don't understand his ways. So how can we understand the ways of God? Well, first off, we're not going to know them through human reasoning or ingenuity. You want proof? Psalm seventy-seven, nineteen: Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters and your footprints may not be known. God doesn't leave footprints on the sea of life. His ways are mysterious. And he tells us, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You can't understand me. So we learn God's ways through intimate face-to-face encounters with him. There's no way that you're going to open up a book and learn the ways of God. You're not going to look around you at what's going on in the world and look at things and learn the ways of God. You can see the works of God. You can read information about him. But how much more when God responds to your prayers and says, as he did to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will speak with you face to face. And when we learn to seek God's face and not just the works of His hands, then we'll know His ways. And then we'll find that rest for our souls. So, back to that last verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, we just covered the difference in knowledge. So, the beginning of knowledge. Beginning, that means... The first thing of a necessary order, something that has to be there before all other things can proceed, that which is necessarily first, that which is primary. So next we come to fear. What's fear? The Bible has several words that it uses for fear. This particular word means a reverential respect. So what does that mean? It's relationship again. When you don't have an intimate, loving relationship with someone, no, when you have an intimate, loving relationship with someone, you don't do things that would injure them or hurt them in any way because you're afraid that what you do would hurt them. And since you have this loving relationship with them, their pain also hurts you. So you have a fear, a reverential respect for that person because you know that what you do will hurt them and empathetically you also will be hurt for hurting them. Those of you who are married, you should have this relationship where you don't want to hurt your wife, you don't want to hurt your husband, you don't want to offend them, you don't want to see them upset, you don't want to see them sad. You probably hate to see them crying because it affects you. You have a fear of offending them, hurting them because you know it's going to hurt them and you're going to respond to that. You, if you have kids, you probably don't deliberately do things to upset them and make them cry because you're naturally protected of them. You have a fear for your children. You have a reverential respect for your children. You don't want to do things that are going to hurt them because their pain, their distress is going to hurt you also. So, what is the fear of the Lord? This is what hit me years ago when I read it, because I thought, I've seen this so many times, it's hidden in plain sight. Sharon, second slide. Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way, and a perverted mouth I hate. So what is meant by hate here? Biblically, hate is to treat something as a personal enemy. This word hate is a military term. A personal enemy whose only desire is to attack and damage and hurt you. Now, what is evil? Biblically speaking, out of commentaries, theological dictionaries, Strong's Concordance, anything that is contrary to the holy nature of God is evil. So, knowing this then, we can read Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We can read this as saying, to regard evil as a personal enemy is the beginning of knowledge. Or to regard evil as a personal enemy that wants to damage, injure, hurt us is the beginning of knowing the character of God or we can explain this to someone else, to regard things that are contrary to the holy nature of God as a personal enemy, this is the beginning of knowing the ways of God. So, what should we do when we regard something as a personal enemy? Do I really have to get into explaining that one? It's a natural instinct for you. If you know that something wants to damage, injure you, hurt you, You should try to avoid interactions, conflicts with it. You should avoid it. Stay away from it. Now, because it is a personal enemy and its desire is to attack you, it's probably going to follow you, so you're not going to escape it, but you can at least try to avoid encounters with it. Did I mention this? The purpose of teaching and preaching. The purpose of this teaching and preaching, it's not that we can solve people's problems. It's so that we can lead other people to have this personal intimacy with God so that they can learn his ways also, so that they can learn of him, who he is, what he does, what he's doing in the world so that the people can understand what's going on around him and that the other people can have rest in their soul so that they can become teachers also. Father, we pray seal this to our hearts so that we can learn your ways and to teach others. We ask pray this for you in Jesus' name.
0: can have the uh, worship team come on down well I think uh, we probably shouldn't wait another year eight years for Kevin to, to teach no it's been a, uh, a good service and a little longer one maybe but maybe not actually what about you maam I'm just I'm just like that holy Ghost exhaustion you know and you're just like I take a nap now you know I, I Kevin said so many good things and uh, we're going to have to really digest a lot of them. And uh, some of the things that just kind of stood out to me in my spirit is um, the Lord says that people will even come to faith through signs and wonders. He does say that. Um, but the important thing is to understand is that we as a people, we don't chase after signs and wonders. We chase after Jesus. And there are movements I don't have to mention names, but there, are, there have been movements where the signs and the wonders become more important than the giver, the sign of one. We chase after Jesus, we chase after the things of the Lord, his ways. The signs and wonders will follow those who believe. It's a natural effect of walking in the way. Amen? It's not something I have to look at, like, oh, gotta do this, gotta do this. It's, it's, you know, we walk out in the love of the Father. We walk in the way and naturally signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. Amen? Amen. And the way, interesting enough, Acts 22, Paul talks about when he was uh, persecuting the believers. He doesn't even call them Christians. A Christian is, is something that comes much later. It's actually only referenced, I think, once in, in the New Testament. The first believers... What were they known as? It says in Acts 22, I persecuted those that were the followers of the way. Capital W. The term Christian comes later. First word of the disciples were the disciples of Jesus and then the followers of the way. Jesus says, you know, hey, we're talking about the way. What is the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. to know the way to know the ways of the Lord is to know the giver of the way the truth the light Jesus Amen. let's stand Father we thank you we thank you that you have stacked this place with men and women who can worship, lead worship men and women who can teach from the word men and women who can Work with the children, men and women who, who serve in hospitality. We thank you that you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that revival is here, Lord. Lord, we ask, she says, Kevin preached, that we would be people who do not just know the acts and the doings of the Lord. But we would like to know the acts and doings of the Lord. But we ask, Lord, that we can, more importantly than anything else, know your presence, know you. Know you face to face like Moses knew you. Lord, to know you like the high priest were able to go into the uh, into the tabernacle and know you. Father, we thank you that this is not just our burden, but this is your burden. You want to know us. And because you want to know us so well, in spite of our sin, you chose, you chose to take on it all. You chose to take it all on so that we could know you and you could know us. Amen? Father, we praise you and thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That to fear you (laughs) is to turn away from evil. To fear you and to know you is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) And to know your way. So Lord, we pray. We pray and we ask, Lord, that all of us today could have a deeper, a deeper, a deeper understanding deeper understanding of the intimacy the presence of your presence amen have a wonderful week we have the cafe operating downstairs please feel free to just stay in the presence especially after a message like that yeah please yeah
2: yeah Oh, no. um, so as we were learning all that, the thing that God has shown me in my life is that it's in knowing who he is that is the safety in those times when your own personal world is crashing. Because it's not the, the miracles are wonderful. But the intimacy, the knowledge, when the devil is trying to tell you through everything around you that you don't have anything to stand on. And yet you know you're God. You, you know who he is. And when you say, you know, Lord, I know what this looks like. But I know you, so I know that it's not what it looks like. Yeah and sometimes that's the only way that you can still stand up and breathe in the middle of it and we all have had those times we all have had those times where just the ground underneath us seems to just fall away but we know that our god is good and we know that our god is in control and we know that he is strong and we know that the things that look wrong and angry and things we know that that's not the god that we so just, I guess he just wants us to know to hold on to who we know him to be.
0: Amen. 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 Shawnee, why you, Shawnee, why don't you stay up here? You'll say, "I'm going to put Sean on the spot a little bit, um, and you can feel free to sit down." But you know, I think you're okay with this. Don't worry, it's nothing crazy. Um, I just feel like as, as we part and people go downstairs, we do some worship. You know, I just feel like. Sean has something uh, to impart. She's got a testimony. And so if, if what she just said to you just kind of got you in your spirit, come on down. And I'm hoping Sean and Frank, if you help your wife out as well, you guys can just bless people and, and people that are, that are struggling with that. You can just pray for them and say, I know who my Jesus is. I've gone through the fire. So if you need that, come on down. Sean and, and Frank will... We'll uh, we'll, we'll stand with you and pray with you. Amen? All right, cool. Awesome. God is so good. And uh, just so you know, if you ever want to see the cutest couple, here they are. Honestly, man, if you ever want, oh, if you ever want to learn what it means to truly serve and love I've never seen a man with the love that Frank displays to his wife the servanthood that he has to his brothers and sisters I firmly believe takes the breath away from God such beautiful people they'll pray for you amen